This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 23, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. When Elizabeth Warren made her recent comments about class warfare, she advanced a theory of political obligation. But that argument doesn't stand up to much scrutiny, even if we accept the argument on its own terms. That's according to the Cato Institute's Aaron Powell, editor of libertarianism.org. So Elizabeth Warren, U.S. Senate candidate, uh, she's better known for being uh, uh, part of an oversight panel that uh, governed how a lot of the TARP money was spent. Uh, One of the statements that she's been making is making the rounds. She says, I hear all of this. Oh, this is class warfare. No, there is nobody in this country who got rich on his own. Nobody. You built a factory out there. Good for you. But I want to be clear. You moved your goods to market on the roads the rest of us paid for. You hired workers. The rest of us paid to educate. You were safe in your factory because of policies, uh, police forces and fire forces the rest of us paid for. You didn't have to worry that marauding bands would come and seize everything at your factory. Now look, you built a factory and turned it into, it turned into something terrific or a great idea. God bless. Keep a big hunk of it. But part of the underlying social contract is that you take a hunk of that and pay forward the next kid who comes along. So... Uh, in trying to to understand, she's actually uh, advancing a theory of political obligation. What should you be obligated to do, essentially, given the things that uh, government has done and that your fellow taxpayers have paid for? Yeah, she's advancing what's typically called the, the fair play theory of political obligation, which says that if a bunch of people get together and – restrict their own liberty in some way, in this case by paying taxes to pay for things, with the result that they create benefits and you benefit from what they've done, then when it comes to be your turn to restrict your own liberty by paying back taxes, you have an obligation to do so because you've gained from what they paid for. All right. Well, how does that hold up? I mean, is, 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 that, a, is that a reasonable theory? It seems reasonable on the surface, but it doesn't hold up all that well under close scrutiny. The, the main problem with it is it really only makes sense if you actually accepted the benefits. So if you were given a meaningful choice about taking the benefits and you said, yep, I'll take those, then yeah, we would say it's probably unfair if you then turn around and say, okay, I enjoyed them, but I'm not going to pay for them. But for the things that she's talking about, for roads, for police, for fire departments, none of us were given a choice about accepting those sorts of things. So to take a very, very narrow example, you walk into a restaurant, you have a meal, at the end of the meal, the bill arrives and you say you don't want to pay it. That's obviously – but she seems to be leaving out a, a step there, which is you walked into that restaurant. Right. What she's saying is something like if someone from the restaurant showed up at your door, put a meal on the front steps, left, and then came back and said, hey, you have to pay for that. You may have enjoyed the meal, but you weren't really given a choice about it being left at your house. All right. So if you accept her theory, though, that this is reasonable. Right. So even even if we accept her theory that this creates political obligations, that we did have a meaningful choice about the roads that we received and the police protection that we received and were offered the ability to pay for it or not, even if we accept all of that, her argument still doesn't quite work because the things that she's talking about that she thinks that the rich ought to be paying for are not the kinds of things that we need to be raising the price, the taxes on the rich, according to her and the president, in order to pay for. The country is not broke because of 
police forces. It's not broke because of fire departments or roads. It's broke because of runaway entitlement programs, defense spending. And it would be hard to argue that any particular rich person got rich because we invaded Afghanistan or because we have Medicaid. So this argument to her, the argument that she's making would work potentially, again, if we accept her theory of political obligation, it would work if what we were arguing was we're going to scale the state back to those things that actually do help people get rich and then say, okay, now what do we need to pay for? But that's not what we're talking about here. We had all of those things. We had police and fire and roads well before the explosion in federal spending in the last two administrations. And, and what we've got now in, in large part are transfer payments. Correct. That, that is uh, people who accepted a deal a long time ago in, in large part are very different from the pe- people who are being offered a different deal today. Right, which would then bring us back to this fair play issue because that would seem to be completely counter to notions of fair play. One of the underlying assumptions in uh, her statement is that these people that she would like to pay more aren't paying. Right, which is just absolutely not true. I mean, we don't that the question of paying enough is completely open-ended. We can we can say, well, whatever they're paying, it isn't enough. But the fact is that the top twenty percent of American income earners are already paying over half of federal taxes. That doesn't seem totally unfair on its face. And it certainly doesn't seem like they're not paying for the benefits that they're receiving, which is what her argument is based on. Aaron Powell is editor of the soon-to-be-launched Libertarianism.org. You can learn more about the project and libertarianism in general at our website, cato.org.